everyone, and welcome to a fresh edition of ESPN's Formula One podcast. I'm Alexis Yunus, as usual, here with you. Nate Saunders as well, one of our gurus. We're down a guru, Lawrence Edmondson. He's off this week, probably recovering from the hangover that came from last week. Nate, what a week last week was. We kept begging for news. We got, like, whammies here, there, left, right, and center, but we absolutely loved it. Now that you've had a weekend to kind of let everything settle have you finally wrapped your head around everything that went on last week? Yeah, it was kind of crazy because, you know, like you said, we were kind of talking about it. We thought there was going to be no driver market news when we had the Verstappen contract extension, Leclerc's contract extension. It seems like Lewis is going to stay with Mercedes. And then Tuesday, we get the bombshell. You know, Sebastian Vettel is leaving Ferrari in 2021. Carlos Sainz obviously replacing him. And Daniel Ricciardo going to um, to McLaren in Science's place. So moves that at the start of the year you would have been you would have been pretty optimistic to have to have predicted in that way. So yeah, it was it was it was a um, pretty crazy week. And now the question turns to what does Sebastian Vettel do? I still think retirement seems like the most logical option for him. It'd be great if he went to Mercedes, but it sounds like Toto Wolff's already decided against that. Um, and the Spanish media now getting quite excited about Fernando Alonso as well. But personally, I. I'm kind of over the Alonso in F1 thing, you know. I think he was a great driver, but oh. I just don't see an op- I don't see a position where he comes back and wins any races with a team. And if you know, if Fernando Alonso is just in the midfield again, what's the point? It was like when Schumacher was doing that with Mercedes. It's just not it's just not fun to watch. So um, hopefully that's just the Spanish media kind of getting excited. I can see why because he's such a big name there. But um, but yeah, uh, that's where we're at at the moment. And uh, like you say, super exciting. Super exciting indeed. I agree with you on that one. Nobody wants to see a big name like Fernando Alonso, quote unquote, struggling. I know we had that conversation in cricket with Sachin Tendulkar because he didn't want to retire, but you didn't want to see this great man struggling out there, you know, at the crease. You're like, you know what? Just go out in the big way that we know you can. And I just finished watching The Last Dance and Michael Jordan. I know he came back actually with The Washington Wizards, which that documentary doesn't go into, but he makes a big point of he probably retired ahead of when he needed to and it means that this legacy is you know this incredible thing of him leaving with the balls and that last shot to win the, the sixth championship so it's definitely something to that it's all about choosing your moment the great ones know how to choose the moments and speaking of choosing moments i mean that's something that i suppose everyone including the formula one world has been trying to do trying to choose the right moment when we can possibly even start something of a season this year given this coronavirus pandemic however there was some news in the sense that it seems like the green light has gone ahead to have back-to-back race weekends at silverstone what's the latest in that one yeah so it's all it's all still very provisional and this is the issue that formula one has at the moment is it's kind of it's kind of working against a clock that other governments and bodies are setting so the plan is to have two austrian grand prix at the beginning of july so that'll be on two different weekends and then what silverstone confirmed uh last friday was that they've agreed provisionally for two back-to-back races with formula one so that'd be later in july the issue now is actually what the uk government's restrictions are and regulations are currently so anybody entering the uk from a foreign country at the moment has to have 14 days of quarantine and formula one said so if you're listening to this later in the week i'm talking on tuesday uh, so the 19th um, formula one has basically put a bit of pressure on the uk government and said we need exceptions to be made for for sports which at the moment it doesn't seem like they're going to do there's also questions about european football and uk clubs etc uh, and the champions league and this impacts formula one as well so if 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 exceptions aren't given the, the british grand prix won't be going ahead in any form in july and i mean again this is kind of where we spoke about this before but the the scale of formula one's operation really becomes quite 
quite difficult for Formula One. You've got, if you just look at the drivers, I mean, we believe Lewis Hamilton's isolating in Bali, Daniel Ricciardo is on a farm in Australia, Kevin Magnussen's in Denmark, Lando Norris is in in uh, in the UK. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that uh, Nicholas Latifi's in Canada. So you're talking about drivers across all different hemispheres, all different continents, and that's just the drivers. You know, you have seven teams based in the UK, two in Italy, and then Alpha uh, Alpha Romeo are in Switzerland. So obviously they're the ones impacted. All of those teams and their staff, and Pirelli's based in Italy as well. So a quarantine just wouldn't work for those guys um so at the moment that really is the big question mark over the british grand prix and we expect that that will be resolved sooner rather than later because these races need such a big lead time to be put on that silverstone basically needs to know i think by the end of this week at the very latest early next week whether they'll get that exception and if they don't then it looks very unlikely that we'll have a british grand prix of of any form in 2020 because of course as 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 we all know these first races would all be behind closed doors even if they do go ahead so yeah, uh, hard to say with any certainty right now, but it just shows you it's kind of a moving target for Formula One, and it's just so difficult to even begin to predict where we might be. Um, Austria does seem quite likely at this point, yeah. but beyond that, it's it's really it, again that's not even confirmed yet. So um, it's yeah, I, I don't envy the people the writing up these calendars and all these plans at the moment because they must change every day, you know, and that alone is is a frustrating thing. Exactly frustrating indeed. I suppose everything is still very much up in the air and and we, we just have to take it day by day i suppose you know and that's why we keep having these little quick podcasts here and there because things just keep changing but that's good it keeps getting us excited and it keeps giving us um something to talk about and something else that we really wanted to talk about which kind of brings the main focus of this podcast right now it's a very very special week for those people that may not know so those of our listeners it is actually mental health awareness week here in the uk and we have a very special guest that decided to join us. We don't like to replace Lawrence every now and again, but this was a very, very um, good time to, I suppose, do it. And it's none other than Justin Coughlin, or he just goes by JC, as most Aussies do, but he's not just any other Aussie. He is just as cool as Danny Ricardo, and that's pretty big to say, but that's because he is the co-founder of Movember, um, you know, that movement that started a couple of years back that really and truly just took the world by storm and has allowed... A lot of people to, I suppose, respect or, or, or be more aware of mental health reasons that affect men. Because we know that men, it's actually been very hard for them to, to open up about their feelings. And especially athletes, you know, in professional sports. So it was great to have him on. And let's just get straight to what he had to say. Well, we've got Nate Saunders, who's usually here with me. Lawrence Edmondson is taking a little hiatus on this one. And JC, all the way from his beautiful sunny farm in Australia, I'm guessing, right? No, UK. Oh, in the UK. Oh, my yeah, Jonas Brothers. I was going to say, it probably wouldn't be that kind of sky right now in Australia anyway, because you'd be many hours ahead. But anywho, let's get to your fancy title, shall we? Because you are none other than the co-founder of November and director of global innovation. Hope I got it right. Completely made up titles. <laughs> Completely made up titles, but we know that you are definitely, as someone has recently said, very innovative. And so much so we say special guest and special edition of this podcast because it is a special week here in the UK. For those of our listeners that may not know right now, it is officially Mental Health Awareness Week here in the UK. And that's a huge week, especially for athletes, because there's still some people, I would say, that probably underestimate how important your mental health game has to be in professional sports, probably has to be just as strong as your physical game, if not stronger. 
So that's one of the reasons why we definitely wanted to talk to you, um, JC, during this week, because again, we have been seeing more and more athletes coming out and actually freely talking about, you know, issues they've had with mental health or just experiences that they may have had with friends, teammates, you know, and other family members too. But before we get into that and just the importance of it, just tell us a little bit more about Movember for those of us that uh, may not know and probably just think it has to do with men growing a mustache in November. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that was the original back in 2003 is a bit of fun to put a lens on men's health because men's health just wasn't getting looked at. And, you know, when we looked around, breast cancer was doing such an amazing job. There was children's hospitals, there was women's hospitals, but no man's hospitals. So we kind of asked ourselves a question like, what's going on with men's health and how can we help? And we'd all been dealing with Trotschwick in our own ways from tsunamis to helping, you know, poverty-stricken places to definitely living in Australia. It had a lot to do with ocean and, and the health and well-being of ocean and animals. And so to move into the men's space was, you know, pretty unique back in 2003. But yeah, so we've evolved, obviously. So from then to now, you know, the movements across 101 countries, you know, we've, we've, we've had incredibly privileged to have people raise over a billion dollars for us since we've started and um, turned, you know, four quite larrikin Australian lads into uh, the world's largest men's health movement. So with the incredible people behind us, obviously, we couldn't do it without them. So for us, it's, it, it's incredible to be in that position and to see how much has changed over, you know, the evolution from 2003 to now for us. So, yeah, it's definitely beyond uh, just growing a moustache for 30 days. And, um, JC, Movember's been very effective at utilising sports and athletes in that kind of push and in the growth of it. Just talk about how that came about and specifically what led to Formula One, because we've seen you in the paddock, I think, for two years now. Um, there's been the barbershop at the Mexican Grand Prix. One, one year, you, you guys got me. I ended up with a a pretty grotesque looking moustache for the entire flight back to the US, which terrified the hell out of me because I had to go through customs, um, oh. which I'll never do again. But just talk a bit about how, first of all, how you guys got involved in sport, the impact that had, and then how that led to, to Formula One specifically. Yeah, well, we, you know, we all grew up in sport. So surfing, skating, playing rugby, um, lots of adrenaline, uh, lots of risk-taking in sport um, between all of us, really. And, you know, being Australian, you're outside more than you're in and, Really men, we like to go where men are and men are in sport. And when you have the shoulder to shoulder conversation to break it down, because men don't like to have the face to face. Um, women do that so well. And men, men need that shoulder to shoulder. So they need to be looking at sport to have the conversation. So not actually looking, but doing something together, whether it's f- fixing something or looking at sport. So it was a natural thing. And a lot of our friends were, were athletes and got behind Movember and loved it. So autumn internationals, when the rugby came around, um, you saw a lot of great moustaches going global to the Olympic athletes to pretty much name a sport in the world from hockey. We do a lot of stuff in hockey. We do a lot of stuff in, you know, NFL, NBA, um, all the sports. And um, one of the ones since way back has been Formula One. You know, we've been part of the Formula One family and they've been part of our movement since way back. I think it was 2006 when we did our first moustache on the pace car in Melbourne um, when they approached us to do it. And, you know, they've been a great, great ambassador for us. And other than the Olympics, which is every four years, and you think about that just mentally it, in itself is incredible how Formula One lifts itself over an 11-month period into so many markets. And it's it's one of the only team sports where every team's together the whole time. So the family is so intrinsically linked. So it was a natural thing for us and a lot of the drivers grew and then a lot of the teams. So for us, they've always been 
you know, just part of the furniture and we've been part of theirs. So we really stepped it up over the years. And two years ago, we launched um, Mexico, which is, you know, Rodriguez down there who's running it with the CIE guys. I mean, I don't think you could find an event or a sport more fit for Movember than a Mexican Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, with a mustache. Just, yeah, yeah. It was like it was like we did it together. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. There's so many of those around the world right now. That's incredible. <laughs> Got a little mustache tattoo because I, could, I couldn't grow one in November back then. My brothers were doing it, but so I figured if you can't beat them, join them. I'm surprised TC hasn't got one of those. That seems like an obvious tattoo to have. I know. A lot. Some of the founders have. One of the founders has a ha, literally has our M logo on his arm, and his brother's our creative director, Trav, and he changed the logo after Adam got it inked, just deliberately because it's not not relevant. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of ink. So we've done well in barbershops and in ink. Yeah. There's a lot of bad November ink out there that I have to apologise for. But um, some brilliant ones. I love the the finger moustache, especially for women to do it, and that look is just incredible. So we, that, thank you, Mother Sister. It's awesome. <laughs> I think you just got yourself exactly. a new spokesperson. I know, might as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Well, that that's true. I mean, I grew up with four brothers, so I definitely know about how how easy, as you kind of alluded to, it was that women just kind of it's second nature to us to talk about that, talk about our feelings and whatnot. But for boys, it's definitely not. And especially in the professional athlete world, in professional sports, as you kind of alluded to that, pretty much, you know, sports just went hand in hand when you started. Did you, once you saw the the reaction, I suppose, and the cooperation from different, you know, friends you have in the sports world, did you therefore have to try to target specific sports, like you said, Formula One, um, based on those that may seem... I don't want to say high risk, but probably struggle with it more because we've seen many documentaries and see just how much of a mental game you really need to just be in Formula One. Yeah, and it is high risk. And, you know, I've got I've got very close friends whose dad were very famous Formula One drivers. And, you know, for them as kids, when, they, when their dad was going out, you know, one of the best in the sports, it, it, was he going to come back? Because people were dying in Formula One. Like, it, you know, my next door neighbor is an ex-Formula One driver and, you know, you talk about those different stories of what goes on and they, they really have. And to this day, they, they literally have to be mentally sound to get in that car. They can't have distractions. They can't have niggly stuff. They are going, as we all know, at a great pace. They could do that with their eyes closed, but they have to be focused. And then it's such a team sport, not an individual sport, because every single person in that pit crew is helping and pushing that 1%, that 1%, that 1%. The whole analogy, like with the Olympic cycling team, just get that little bit better, that little bit better, and then you get the results. And the mental, like just mental and physicalness of being, and I've been in there and I've been in, in the pits and I've seen all the guys do it, it's just incredible, like every race. And when you look in that garage and you've got some people standing on podiums, but you've got a whole bunch of people who aren't. And it was that fraction of the second of that little mistake. So their mental well-being is everything. And I, I just saw it as one of the best sports we could get behind from the driver. So, you know, from Chase, who's been amazing, to Kate Bevan, who runs, you know, Paddock Club, and she's been in the sport for decades. And just the social connection that we get with it from literally from the drivers who've all done stuff for us and most of the drivers have to to more importantly, the team. And that's why the barbershop works well, you know, cuts and conversations because it's in Paddock Club and it gets the guys to have that conversation. We did this interesting survey once in the UK and we interviewed guys, who do you trust more, your barber or your doctor, to open up to? And it was the barber by far. 
And barbers, if you go back in time, were actually doing stuff around medical with breaks and things. So there's, there's some really cool history around, you know, barbers always being there and barbers opening up. So we thought naturally a barber, and when you open it and you've been to Mexico, Nat, we know, and, you know, sat in that chair. Um, and it's amazing, you know, just that camaraderie, people chatting, what Mo's you going to do and the uplifting that, how it uplifts everyone in that conversation, the fights on who can get into the barber chair, even from the drivers um, to the team who are pushing through. It's like, no, no, he, he's too busy. He's driving. I need to get mine. And like, just, just the order of getting that done. And then and we even took it into Paddock Club itself to, to the guests. And the queue on the barber shops just relentless. I feel for the guys who are giving away the free cuts and conversations, but <laughs> you can just see it opening up. And it's the hardest thing for a guy to start the conversation. And, and it's getting to start that conversation and they feel comfortable in a barber chair. So, again, you know, Mexico, Rodriguez and the team now, I mean, you can't get a better mix for us and how passionate they all are and what they do for us to use it as a pilot two years ago. And it, it's just, you know, we've lifted that now and we we took it to the UK, Canada, US, Italy. Um, we could have taken it to every race and that's kind of Kate and everyone's ambition at Formula One eventually, do we take it to every race? But, you know, it, it just works so well. I have to say that um, I might be the exception that proves the rule because when I was in that chair in Mexico, I just felt crippling fear and I didn't, don't think I spoke for <laughs> about 15 minutes. But that was more because it was hot and there were just people watching. But um, but no, it's it's a great initiative. And just um, That's a big commitment for you to take your hair off, right? You yeah, have a little hair. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, very, I'm very precious about my beard. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah I, it... it, it it was a good look, but I didn't. I didn't keep it for too long. Um, but just, um, could you just talk a bit about the the actual initiatives in Mexico itself and um, what the plan is long term with the Formula One initiative? Because, like you said, I mean, I, I know Daniel Ricardo has been quite involved in it when we have when you have done it uh, in Mexico. Um, how important well, no, is? Aussie, you know? Yeah, exa- exactly. And, um, da- Danny, I mean, come on. I mean, in any sport, in anything, that man is just a genius because he, he's yeah. just being him. He's so you couldn't. You can't write authentic like you can with him. He's just yeah. incredible. He's incredibly funny. I've run into him in airports and stuff before as well. And he's just he's just on the whole time. He doesn't mean to be. It's just who he is. And he's just an incredibly funny guy. So incredible for the sport. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Gruel Mo for us did some crazy, crazy cool things. And, you know, everyone did from, you know, McLaren, Mercedes, you know, gave us the moustache. They, they turned their their logo into a massage for us during November last year. And that's huge going out to the, you know, the, the millions and millions of people and population that they have. And, you know, Formula One, half a million people, you know, as their fan base, it's been growing every year. Mexico alone, you know, I think it was 46 point, the 62% growth in the last three years in, in Formula One audiences. And Mexico had like 46 million of that. So um, the audience is growing and then how do we connect? And, you know, from, you know, Chase, Kate, to the entire Formula One team, to to all the different teams. They're so passionate about getting this mental health piece right. I mean, this is it's a true family Formula One, and you know they need to. They, they they're passionate to look after their own. And how do we keep the teams mentally well? You know, from everyone who works within Formula One as an employee to working at the team to working at shifting stuff, being away from your family so hard. You know, it, it is hard and taxing on everybody. And the isolation piece in itself is is hard. Getting on planes the whole time and Mm-hmm. They're doing it all again. So for us, it was, you know, it was a natural step and a natural step for them to help to go, well, how do we, how do we help solve, you know, and make sure guys are mentally well? Because everything, you know, we do at Movember, what we focus on is we, we need to get, make sure men are staying physically and mentally well in all of their lives. And, you know, we want them to live healthier, longer, happier lives. And, and 
I can see if we if we start to lens things like Formula One with an audience of you know 500 million plus the billion that watch it on TV over the year, get it resonating at the team level, then you're going to have mass population change, and and that's what that's what we do, and that's why we play in sport. We do stuff in you know ice hockey. We it's called breaking the ice, and we get kids, and we, we get kids because we like to do interventions that are way upstream, not at crisis point. Mm. And we did this interesting. Um, study around the four key things around mental health, um, which are the four key markers. And it's, it's if you're in good mental health, average mental health, poor mental health, or you're at that clinical diagnosis part. And if you can get them from, if you can stop them from going from good mental health to, um, for, sorry, from average mental health to poor mental health and just stop the two to three marker there, that you'll change by population levels. You'll change literally people you'll reduce the suicide, you know, suicide reduction will be huge. Mental health population level will, will, will be great. So for us, it's, it's getting that intervention point there and th- something like Formula One does that for us and cuts in conversations, having that conversation, opening up. You know, it's, it, someone asked me the other day, is it okay? It, it's okay not to be okay. Absolutely. And especially now it's okay not to be okay. And men have this, you know, this, this, I, my mental health guy, Brendan Globally, he calls it scaffolding. So men have this scaffolding around them and, you know, their scaffolding's been taken away. You know, they, they've got job risk, they've got financial risk, they've got relationship stress, they've got health stress right now. Isolation is one of the key markers that triggers men to take their own life. And, you know, 88% of suicides in the world, one man every minute of every day. So every minute we've been on this conversation takes his life. And then to put all that sweet spot together of those four things and isolate him, you know, that's what keeps me up at night. Like that, that scares the shit out of me. Um, how many men are isolated and how they can do it. So for us, it's, you know, I really want to push really hard around and Formula One help us do that. Right now, you know, we're physically distancing, but we should stay socially connected. And how can we stay socially connected, but still be physically distancing? And it's, when they say socially distancing, I think just that's the wrong word. It should be physically distancing, but staying socially connected. And, you know, we've launched, we've just launched a new, product called mo conversations so we've kind of pivoted really fast and brought a product my team's been incredible brought this product forward um that was you know on the burner for about 18 24 months away and they've done it in weeks and turned it into for mental health week this week and you can go on and check it out and it's free had some of the best mental health experts around the world look at it and it's it's to help start those conversations so you can go through it and it's it's cartoons so you can ask you know if it's a job loss if it's this how do i start that conversation because men don't you know are the lowest at, at the lowest level to know how to start the conversation and this gives them like key markers to go okay what are the hard bits to talk about is it loss of a job is it loss of a relationship and it answers you back in this little algorithm which is quite cool so we're hoping i you know i've sent it out to a few mates because they have mass populations of humans that obviously who follow them or they employ. And even they looked at it and went, this is a game changer for them personally and how they're feeling right now. So yeah, hopefully we can get into as many hands as we can and, and, and save lives is kind of the key. Look at me going on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. Actually, that was like, <laughs> that 
that was actually quite interesting to, to, to find out, you know, those, those little things and those little resources. Cause it kind of uh, made me think of this question. I mean, you use the word isolating and you said, of course, just, that's just how, you know, all our lives can be sometimes, especially when you get caught up in work, especially those of say a formula one driver, just people involved in formula one and the constant traveling and, and the pressures of it in and out. When you kind of embarked on this journey and then of course spent a lot of time around formula one drivers and those involved in the sport, did you, you know, did you learn anything that kind of like surprised you that you thought, wow, this is, this is something I, I actually feel like we need to tackle specific to Formula One or just sports, you know, on a whole? Well, sports on a whole, because uh, especially, you know, team sports and if you get injured in a sport, so, um, <clears throat> and people, and you know, athletes get paid a lot of money. So people just go, oh, well, they're fine. And they're not. So if they get injured and they're off, um, especially if you're in a physical contact sport or, or in any sport, if you're out of the team, you're out of the team. And the second you're out of the team, you know, you're watching Netflix for six months in recovery. Your guy, the only person you're talking to is the physio. You're out of the team conversation. You're out of, you know, if you, if you step out of Formula One and it lifts and it goes, you've missed all that chat. You've missed all that conversation. So you you become isolated straight away. And then someone's trying to take your spot <laughs> naturally, always. And, you know, mm-hmm. always. And, all that fear and isolation sits on that. It just, you know, it's, it, it's huge. And Formula One, you know, Formula One's taught me a, a lot of things like that. The actual, the resilience they have, um, as a team is incredible to overcome. And, and when, and they do it and they do it well. Um, and they're checking in for that little things. I mean, there's some really classics around like Lewis checking in with his, uh, you know, with the pit going, what's wrong? I can't see the back of the car. You know, I can't see, I can't see. And the absolute trust in that. And, you know, that, that mirrors so well for Movember and us to like trust in your mates, trust in your pit crew to go and have that conversation. And, you know, we've taken some analogies out of like talk, talking an engine, you need to start talking to, you know, there's some very well named scary corners, you know, in, in formula one on tracks that people know, you know, when you hit that corner in life, are you checking in with your mates? Are you doing all your prep? How are you, how are you lining that up? So there's some really cool analogy that we can pull from something like Formula One to open up the conversation for men to cut through that bit. So Movember does a really good job with massages to having that conversation, to hanging out, to, you know, really breaking the ice on, on having the hard conversation. You're in the conversation before you know you're in it. And Formula One does a really good job to help us do that. So, yeah, I've learned, I've learned a lot around resilience, but also learned a lot on how, we really need to be there for them because, you know, we need to be there for all of our athletes and all of our sport, you know, that they've got such short windows as athletes and also yeah. as teams around them and they've got so many people around them. And I think it's NFL we looked at and at college football, there's 2,500 staff per player um, and no one's looking after their mental health in that roster. And it's like it's, it, it, it just needs to be done and it, it change, it's a game changer once you start to do it and, we need to be looking after the mental health of everybody in Formula One. I work in music, you know, I work in arts, I work in fashion. It's the same, you know, it's the same as music. When people go on the road, how are we looking after their mental health and what does it look like? So for me, it's it's making sure we have enough there for the teams. We have some really easy ways for check-in and people are checking in. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong you can say by checking in and you need to check in. So a few things are mates out there. If you think a mate's in trouble, if you actually think a mate's out there who you think are at the point of taking their own life, some people go, oh, sh- should I call? Absolutely call and have that conversation. It's a hard conversation to have, but that conversation will, will save lives. And, you know, I've been there many times and I unfortunately lost a, you know, 
a person in our friend set uh, two weeks ago for isolation took his own life in the music industry in LA and we're trying to rally around and do some stuff because th- this is real and you know we need to make sure we're checking in with our mates and and they're there and not missing it and Formula One has an incredible platform to do that. But the the last thing I was going to ask is just specifically on the lockdown um, topic itself. I mean, I, I, from what we were talking about just before we hit record, it sounds like you've got quite a remarkable story yourself from this period. But before you talk about that, how important do you think it is for a lot of these athletes that these sports get back to where they were just from the mental health point of view? Because obviously we're seeing a lot of them moving towards some sort of normality now. There must be so many athletes and you know people involved in sports who kind of are in unprecedented territory right now in terms of not having anything to do and almost in this elongated sense of off season or, or, you know, or whatever it is you would call it in normal circumstances. Yeah. I mean, athletes have so much downtime and, and a- athletes need to be athletic. I mean, they, they need to be out there, you know, training, pushing their bodies, diet, exercise. They need to, you know, vibe off their teams and get it done. And that's just not happening. And, you know, you can't, you can't cage an animal for too long, you know, you, you and, and these are these are the high these are highly trained machines in, in what they do. And I, I just I mean the Olympics, and I just feel for every athlete moving the Olympics. I mean they just train so long and hard for that. To team sports like football, you have to stay at the top of your game. And Formula One, you know, reaction in cars and, and teams getting ready. This is unprecedented time, and we we might get back and. You know, sport might not be as tidy as it was. <laughs> it might take a while for everyone to get back to, you know, where they were in, in, in game fitness and, and what's going on. But mental health, I, I can't even imagine being an athlete and a highly trained athlete that for a job, you get up, you train, your, your schedule's like tight. And to just sit back and not do anything, I mean, especially for a Formula One team, I mean, they, they're on for like 11 months. They're not yeah. off for that long. Um, so to be sitting still, and that, that's what I loved about Formula One. And when you watch it, you know, they didn't just sit still. They went and started making, you know, in the UK, ventilation machines. They, they went and started using their tech for good. And that's what's good about the Formula One family. They, they look at crisis moments and, you know, can band together and do some, do some, good, do some good and, you know, keep their, you know, you just got to keep mentally sound. And, yeah, you know, I, as you said before, you know, my experience, you know, I, 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 I went down pretty hard, you know, I ended up in ICU and, you know, near death experiences, you know, I definitely ticked my box on that this year. And, you know, I, I thought for a couple of moments, I, I definitely wasn't going to get through it. Um, and it's an interesting moment to, to be in. Um, and, and you're in isolation, you know, you've got doctors there and nurses who can't touch you. You can't see them. Um, you're not allowed, like if, it, if it's a cancer journey, like we do, or a mental health journey, you know, you've got your family rallying around you if you're going through chemo. But this is just complete isolation. There. No one can touch you. You can't be near anything. And the biggest part for me at the moment is, you know, this, that was two months I've been going through this and the, the fatigue, this huge fatigue um, that you battle with. And you get this fuzziness in your brain. You get really fuzzy in your head and you can't get your words out. And I can even see Boris doing it now when he's talking to you know the population he can't get his words out. i feel his pain you know i feel for him um trying to get the words out where they are because i've done it with my teams and i you know i spoke to one of the heads of you know tony who's the ceo of warner music and he said you know 40 of his staff are going through the same thing and it's this fatigue for me and i just went and got a whole bunch of bloods done last week my last hospital visit 
to, to work out what is it just is is the fatigue evolving into something else you know is it going into your thyroid is it is it going to get into chronic fatigue is it you know is your liver function okay a lot of people are stroking out in 30 and 40 after in recovery because we just don't know and i think the after effects of the virus are going to be a lot worse than the actual virus and if you have a look at sars the after effects of that have been horrific on some people you know life-changing stuff so i think even mental health in isolation that piece there and then the fatigue and going through it and i'm a really positive guy i'm changing the world and you know ask lizzie who knows he's known me for a long time that i'm not meant i'm not mentally struggling or negative in any way way shape or form but through this you definitely have the highest of highs you bounce out of bed and you're like i've got this you know i just went to a near-death experience the world's a whole different place and opportunities out there to you know an hour later you could just be in the lowest of low and just this massive dip because your brain's not right and it's not getting there so it's it's going to be an interesting recovery because you know until vaccine comes if vaccine comes you know SARS is still looking for one um there's going to be a whole bunch of people who get this and then it's what happens after it and make sure we're all there for them and that's what's so important about the things like Mo Conversations that we've launched and having Alec, you know, you've got to, you know, ask, listen, encourage action and check in is kind of that Alec method. And it's that checking in piece that's going to be really important for everyone because a lot of, it's interesting because it's like, oh, you've had it, you're at a hospital, you're okay. And a lot of people aren't. They'll go through months of this to get through recovery. So, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely, un, it's an uncharted road out there to see, see what's happening next and we're just going to be there for everyone. Well, JC, thank you so very, very much um, for joining us and chatting with us. That was such a such a deep convo. It's good to have those, and it's good to talk. I mean, I'm a girl; I do love talking. I'm a television host, so I do love talking. But it's good to that you encourage, you know, other people to do it. It's amazing to see a ton of athletes coming out and encouraging that as well, especially in these unprecedented times. Which is like you said, we don't. We people like to make predictions about what will happen, and the truth is, we just genuinely don't know. So. And, there's so much, and there's so much opportunity out there, right? And if you have a look at it, like when we started this in 2003, if you were to talk about mental health, it was so taboo. We didn't even take it on. We took cancer on. We didn't take our mental health to it. We'd lost friends to suicide, but we hadn't lost anyone to cancer out of the four of us. But cancer was the safer option. And we, it was like 2007, 2008, before we took mental health and suicide on um, because it was just so taboo. But what I love about now is like you've got government standing up on podiums giving five million straight up to mental health you got people talking about mental health that didn't exist before so that in itself is a massive step forward for society that it's actually being looked at and being given the way that needs to be done so there's definitely a lot of positive out there so yeah keep doing what you're doing keep chatting getting people getting men to have conversations Well, that was JC, co-founder of Movember. We want to thank him so much for joining us on this week's podcast. Thanks to Nate Saunders, who's always standing by my side as per usual. And thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in. We hope you tune in again next time on ESPN's Formula One podcast.